You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. It looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. We shouldn't, as Democrats, be empowering the Republicans. President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and we are broadcasting... Uh, in a different situation today, as all of us are adjusting to the new restrictions, as we all do our part to try to flatten the curve, I'm no different. Our, our crew is no different. I'm working remotely. Our crew is working remotely. So I'm going to ask that everybody bear with us if we have any technical difficulties, because we have a lot of news to get through and a lot of all-stars to help navigate through it. So we're, of course, going to talk about President Trump. And his press conference, uh, just wrapping within the last hour, he shifted his tone on the coronavirus or COVID-19, and he warned all Americans that uh, he needs to that that everybody needs to stay home, bunker down for at least the next two weeks, and said that the restrictions that have been placed on the economy and whatnot likely will last uh, through midsummer. So we have a lot to get through, plus the economic fallout. U.S. stocks plunged 12 percent with the virus upending the economy. Of course, we're all following all of the guidelines to be socially distant and to do our part, for everyone to do our part in following those guidelines in order to, to flatten the curve. Uh, I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. My guest with me is Bloomberg White House reporter Justin Sink. He joins us via telephone. Justin, first of all, I want to commend you and all of our colleagues and, and really the whole White House press corps for just doing such an incredible job in disseminating information and in, in keeping folks informed as we all adjust to this new normal. And let's begin with what President Trump had to say uh, just within the last hour or so and what are, are, have become daily briefings. Uh, and he struck a much different tone. And he said essentially that Americans are going to have to hunker down for about two weeks uh, he advised Americans against gathering in groups of more than 10 people and said that they should stop eating out at restaurants and stop going to bars. Children, he went on to say, should be educated at home to the extent possible. Uh, and the U.S. still might be fighting this outbreak all the way through August. Justin, what were your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you outlined a lot of the, the new provisions that the White House is recommending to uh, avoid the spread of this virus. But uh, one of the most remarkable things was just the change in tone that we've heard from the president, not just of the last 
couple weeks, but in the last couple days, you know, I was over at the White House on Sunday and uh, the president was saying everybody should relax. We're going to get through this. We're doing well. He was telling people not to hoard food or, um, you know, run out and buy a bunch of toilet paper. That, that remains their advice. They say that the supply chains are strong and that um, people shouldn't overreact to what's going on. But you definitely saw sort of a seriousness of purpose today. Uh, a real tone shift. And of course, I think that's driven both by the data they're seeing in terms of uh, how the virus is spreading and how the economy is reacting. Today was uh, the biggest drop since, you know, the 1980s on on Wall Street. And uh, that's definitely piqued the attention of a, a lot of people in the White House. Justin, and coming up, we're going to check in with our Bloomberg Markets colleague, Cameron Kreiss. Um, we're going to talk about the markets, but let's just talk to, to what the president and the administration outlined today. First and foremost, they got rid of a lot of disinformation. So there were a lot, there's been so many rumors going along yeah. and, and, you know, go to the AP, go to Bloomberg.com, go to, to the Washington Post. I mean, there are trusted sources out there for folks to get information. So there is no national curfew. That was one of the rumors that have been flying around. The president said that's on the table, but... For the next two weeks, for the next 15 days, what did the president say today and what did Vice President Pence and Dr. Fauci and all the others say today, Justin? Yeah, I mean, I think the real sort of uh, message time and again that we're getting from, from the president, from the vice president, from these health professionals is if you can stay home, stay at home, limit your contact with other people, uh, the folks that are going to go out, uh, healthcare workers. Uh, people performing essential jobs and, and duties, do your best to sort of stay out of their way, avoid um, uh, unnecessary contact. Don't try to, to plan big social gatherings. Don't even have a bunch of people over to your house unless you really uh, have an, a, an emergency situation or, or need to do it. So I think that advice is has been really clear coming out of the White House today. The other thing that you mentioned is, of course, there's the, this concern among administration officials that people are are seizing on this moment to sort of uh, go after disinformation campaign type tactics and, and uh, tell people wrong things. So if you get a text message from a, a friend or a relative that has some weird sounding thing about a big dramatic move, think really carefully about you know how trustworthy the source is, how real it is. And you can always go not only to trust news sources like Bloomberg, but to coronavirus.gov or the CDC website, they have all the latest advisories and guidance and stuff that the, the administration is taking. So you can get a real scope of how uh, how everything is going to impact you directly. And CDC.gov, CDC.gov, CDC.gov. That is such a great resource for everyone out there uh, in terms of in terms of getting all of the information. And uh, there, there was actually the Associated Press. You know, we got they, we're we're all reporting on this out of Seattle. I want to read this headline that came through. U.S. researchers gave the first shots in a first test of an experimental coronavirus vaccine earlier today, leading off a worldwide hunt for protection, even as the pandemic continues to surge. With careful jabs in the arms of four healthy volunteers, scientists at the Kaiser Washington Research Institute in Seattle. Seattle began an anxiously awaited first stage study of potential COVID-19 vaccine developed in record time. So, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the vaccine research is uh, it's moving as quickly as possible in the United States. There was another report out earlier today uh, out of Australia 
uh, that Newsweek covered, the Associated Press covered this in Seattle. Where are we in terms of testing? What did the government and the administration have to say about testing and access to testing and free testing uh, coming? Uh, where are we on that, Justin? Yeah, I mean, this has been a real, I think, frustration uh, among everyday Americans and the administration itself. There's been a real sort of bottleneck uh, because tests have had to go to and from the CDC. There's been some manufacturing errors. But the administration is confident that over this week we're going to see a real ramp up, not just of the availability of tests, but of uh, the sort of automated process that can, can get the results of these tests back faster and to more people. So the general advice is you should not seek a test unless you are in one of two categories. First category is, are you a first responder? Are you somebody uh, who's sort of crucial to the public health system? Because it's really important to keep uh, those people safe and healthy. And the second is, are you in an at-risk group? Are you 65 years of age or older? Are you, uh, do you have a chronic health condition that, that uh, coronavirus has, has shown to be really problematic? And you can find details about whether you qualify for that on cdc.gov. Uh, are you running a temperature of over 99.6 degrees. If all those are true, then you should follow the steps to uh, try to seek out a test. But if you're not in those yeah. groups, the government then don't hold take off a test. Right now. Yeah, Justin Sink, Bloomberg White House reporter. Thank you so much for just doing such a great job and for breaking down all of that information. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the economic implications of this. Uh, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio, and you're listening to a special edition of Bloomberg Sound On. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cerulli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And we're broadcasting remotely. We're broadcasting remotely uh, tonight and, and really for the next, for the foreseeable future. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be joined by someone who knows how to navigate through the economic implications of what we're going through, what we're all experiencing. And that's Cameron Kreis. He's Bloomberg macro strategist. And Cameron, I, I really appreciate your time. And just to set the scene, Justin so eloquently described what the administration is saying about how folks need to stay home, they need to hunker down, adhere to social distancing. If they're showing symptoms, they should seek out getting a test. Uh, but the U.S. stocks have plunged 12% with the virus upending the economy. And I'm going to read from some of our colleagues, the stomach-turning ride on global financial markets took a dramatic turn Monday with U.S. stocks plunging the most since 1987 after President Donald Trump warned the economic disruption from the virus could last into the summer. Beyond that, the negative superlatives for American stocks are piling up and the S&P wiped out its gain in 2019 and is now down almost 30 percent from its all-time high. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost almost 13 percent, falling 3,000 points to close at the two-year low. And and just to reset, I mean, and I'm, I'm doing this in real time, so I'm, I'm going to be transparent here. We're waiting on Cameron Christ to get on the line. I, I'm working remotely from home, uh, and so our, we're not all in our studios. But when the president spoke today, uh, he really changed his tone. He really changed his tone from previous times where he's spoken. 
Uh, and, and it was a much more, it was a, it was a president who really decoupled the issue of the economic stimulus versus the realities of, of what we face ourselves in, uh, in terms of staying home and hunkering down. At one point, administration officials said, it's up to millennials. It's going to be millennials who are going to have to stay, stay home. There's nothing cute. There's nothing fun uh, about people hanging out together and, and going to parties. So, I mean, they're really taking this incredibly seriously. Uh, and, and as the world is, is really also, um, and just some more other news that there are vaccines that are being tested. The Associated Repress, Press reporting on one uh, vaccine that had been tested. And, um, and so that test is going out in Seattle. I'm awaiting for, um, I'm trying to see if we can get if we can get Justin back on the line while we await for Cameron, if that would be possible, hopefully we'll be able to get Justin Sink back on the line or just someone else. Uh, but just there's so much news to go through. And on Capitol Hill, Congressman Louis Gohmert, uh, he is the one Republican in the House of Representatives. Wait till you hear this. Congressman Louis Gohmert, the Republican from Texas. I'm reading from NBC News, Rebecca Shabbat and Alex Mose reporting. Representative Louis Gohmert, a Republican from Texas, is holding up the House-passed coronavirus relief bill and preventing it from being delivered to the Senate for a vote. Um, so that's where that is. The president really calling on lawmakers to pass that. This is the bill that would provide free testing to the coronavirus, and the House was expected to make technical corrections Monday to the bipartisan measure. This was the bill that they had passed earlier on Saturday. Remember that? And it would provide paid sick leave for two weeks. Congressman Gohmert, this is what he tweeted out. We still do not have a final draft of the negotiated changes being called technical corrections. And some of us believe that the newly worded laws should be finished before we pass them. I mean, you've got Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell trying to get this thing done. You've got a bipartisan bill and Congressman Gohmert, for whatever reason, uh, for whatever reason, just is not doing it. The Federal Reserve, uh, the Dow has plummeted 3,000 points. I mean, so you've got this happening on the economic front. You've got the congressional situation happening. And Bloomberg's reporting, Ben Holland and Laura Davison, that cash handouts are gaining support in Congress. Get this, as the best virus fix. I'm reading now from the Bloomberg terminal. Cash handouts to all American households are gaining support in Congress as the best way to shore up an economy brought to a near standstill by the coronavirus. Republican Senator Mitt Romney gave his backing to the idea on Monday, proposing to immediately send $1,000 checks to every adult American. And Tom Cotton also said he is working on legislation that would provide cash stipends. Several House Democrats also back sending checks as the best way to help Households. So, I mean, we're in this together. We're all trying to get through this. The president's saying we might have to do this. Uh, we might, you know, we might have to be dealing with this virus through the midsummer. We're going to be hunkered down for at least the next 15 days. Uh, but, you know, Doug Hyde, I've, I've just been, I'm so thrilled to be joined by Doug Hyde. Doug, did you hear this? You're a Republican strategist, former RNC comms director, and uh, the former deputy chief of staff to Eric Cantor. Free. Checks, $1,000 checks to American households as, as part of the economic stimulus. That could come. What do you think, Doug? Well, you know, it, it seemed to, to come out of nowhere. Um, I would quote the president and say, you know, it's an idea I hadn't heard of um, until just recently, until at least coming coming from the Capitol. 
But this is part of the machinations as Congress tries to figure out how to grapple with this. And I don't think anybody has any sense of, as to whether or not this is going to happen. But clearly, you know, there's going to be more than just the step one of, of what Congress has already done or at least tried to do. Um, this is going to be a multi-tiered, multi-layered process and a long one. You know, I think that's a good point. It is going to be multi-tiered. It is going to be a long process. We're all in this together. And coming up, Doug, you and I are going to talk a little bit more about all of that. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 991. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And we're broadcasting remotely. Uh, I'm, I'm working from home, as I think all Americans are virtually, as we all adjust a day at a time, one day at a time, to the new normal in America for the next couple of months. The president's saying we've got to hunker down for about 15 days. We're dealing with the economic fallout of this, but first we've got to flatten the curve. Uh, joining us on the line is Doug High. He's a Republican strategist, former RNC communications director, and former deputy chief of staff to former House Majority Leader Eric Cantor. Doug, I, I want to let you, I want to give you the mic, and virtually speaking, and I want you to to kind of take me through what you think. Are you noticing more bipartisanship uh, on Capitol Hill? Uh, to, to some extent, yes. Um, you know, part of the problem and the fracturing of, of Capitol Hill has been kind of the intra-party fights as, as much as it is the, the normal partisan fights, which is part of why we've seen the, the aid package in the, in the House slow down. Um, but I think members of Congress know I was on the Hill meeting with members, Republicans and Democrats, on Wednesday. And there was um, – and some of these meetings were with Republican and Democratic members together – um, there's a sense that this is a very real problem and, and not just a real problem, but, you know, so often we hear the kind of boilerplate lines from politicians that it's not a red problem or a blue problem or, or what have you. That's clearly the sense that there is now. And Republicans and Democrats may have different ideas for how to best get there. 
Um, but as they're seeing this spread in their state more and more, as they're seeing um, the markets really, um, really dropping a tank today, 3,000 points. And then also in, in the coming days, as this really financially begins to take hold in ways that, that are directly affecting people, as you know, people who work in bars and restaurants um, you know, aren't, aren't being paid, aren't working, aren't being tipped. Um, you know, people who work for, for airlines or hotels or, or things like that, that um, set whole sectors of the economy that just aren't being utilized right now, uh, there's going to have to be a, a federal response to that. We're already starting to see that. And again, there may be different ideas on what to do. Republicans love tax cuts. Democrats love to spend money. The reality is it's probably going to have to be a combination of, of the two. And as mentioned before, a multi-tiered, multi-step process. I mean, Doug, it is just, I think we're all sort of kind of in real time adjusting to the, to what's going on. I mean, and it's just, you know, really in, in the span of a week, all of this has just happened. It feels like it's happened so quickly. And, and I, I, I'm curious, just based upon your experience, when would that economic relief come? Because a lot of folks aren't going to be able to pay rent. A lot of folks aren't going right. to be able to make a mortgage payment. And, and that's a real anxiety in addition to the health concerns. So when yeah, and, and Secretary Mnuchin said this is the second inning, well, when do we get to the third? Yeah, well, and, and to some extent, when do we get to the first? Um, if, if, yeah. you're people who, if, if you're somebody who's on the front line of you know, yeah. your day-to-day livelihood being directly impacted by this, not by having to work from home as you and I are doing, but not working at all, which means you're not getting paid. This isn't necessarily, you know, sick leave or, or time off. Um, you've got some existential problems. And, and that's where uh, Washington is, is going to have to act uh, rather quickly. And, and, you know, you've already seen you've already seen movement. They're moving faster than they typically do. And you know, when I was when I was in, on the House side on Wednesday, I was reminded to some extent of kind of the reaction of both in the positive, negative sense of where we were, not just after 9-11, but, but more specifically after the anthrax attack in 9-11. Right. Um, you know, staff and, and, and members of Congress, they're spooked, as they rightly should be. You know, they, they, they don't know. They're, they're not necessarily experts in this, but they, they don't know how to prevent it other than, you know, and I'll give you one example. I, I won't say who this was, but I went into one member's office, and before you walk in on their door, um, is a sign that says, we're not shaking hands, we're, we're bumping elbows. And that member of Congress gave me a big handshake. Um, because, of course, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's just human nature. And so these kinds of preventative ways, as, as members are still trying to figure out, okay, what is the federal response, CDC response supposed to be in preventing and then aid? It reminds me very much of kind of that uncertain time um, in, after the anthrax attack, during the anthrax attack. But it's very clear that Congress is, is going to act and, and you know, has, has begun that process already. And we're going to get through it. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, and I, and I think it bears repeating. We're going to get through it, folks. We're going to get through this. I mean, I, I, you know, I was talking to, uh, I was checking in on my mom earlier today, and she said there was a, an elderly lady in the grocery line. And she said uh, she, she was born during World War I, and her parents, you know, dealt with World War I. She dealt with World War II. And so we're going to get through this. And so I think that just bears repeating. And I, I just go back, look, there's so much bad news that's out there, but you got to just, you got to keep alert for the good news too. The Associated Press today with a big scoop that they started the human test in Seattle. 
on a vaccine. Mm-hmm. They went through the first round of the test to get the coronavirus vaccine. Daily Beast, or I'm sorry, Newsweek, Newsweek, also reporting on Australia uh, ramping up their vaccination tests on the coronavirus. So it's still, you know, a couple months from a vaccine. The administration was talking about some medicine as well. I, I thought this was interesting, Doug, and, and I want to get your take on this. All the construction workers, you know, and, and folks have listened to this show. You know, I come from a family where my dad, he's an engineer, and I'm th- you think of those construction workers. Unfortunately, we're all having to stay home from work for the next, at least the next couple of weeks. Those masks that they wear, there's a, there's yep. a, a company that the government actually just awarded a contract to in Minnesota that they're going to be sending like 3 million masks, according to Vice President Mike Pence. They're going to be sending them to the first responders in the medical field. So, you know, maybe there's some opportunities for some of these supply chains to tweak and to bend so that they can, you know, we can all pitch in and do our part, Doug. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm reminded of um, a meeting I was in in 2005 or six when I was working for Senator Richard Burke from North Carolina. At the time, he was chair of the uh, biodefense um, subcommittee in the Senate and was talking about, you know, these kinds of issues in, in 2000, you know, 15 years ago, basically 2005 and six. And, you know, what, what are the delivery mechanisms from, for those? And I, I remember very clearly he said, you know, we do have a delivery mechanism that delivers things to every house uh, six days a week. And that that may be one way that we can get something to everybody who needs it. Not that we're going to have a vaccine ready in a week to do so, but we do have those supply chains. And, you know, as more people are diagnosed, as, you know, unfortunately, more people become sick and and, um, and die, you know, people are going to panic. Some of that's natural. Um, as they go to the grocery store, I, I just came from the grocery store 15 minutes ago, and literally there is no bread left at the giant that I went to. Um, but there is flour. And I, I made bread yesterday. I'll make bread tomorrow probably. You know, but as, you those, as those delivery um, chains um, continue to exist, you know, we do have the infrastructure in place to, to deal with it, you know, once we get um, the necessary supplies, you know, that, that we can then deliver out to the rest of the public. You know, Doug, I think that's such a great point. And uh, I, we've got like a minute left, but I want to ask you one more question. And that is, in terms of a timetable, when do you think this economic stimulus is going to come? It, it's not clear. Um, I would say more likely, though, you know, and this would be the, the first round. One, they've got the, the bill immediately. Um, that they're trying to sort out the corrections in. Um, after that, I would say it would probably be a week or two before we get, um, you know, a second bill. But I don't say that as criticism. I think that's pretty quick for Congress to get to get something done. And then we're going to have to really kind of evaluate, you know, what's happening, what are the impacts, and and how to best do it. You know, Republicans, my, my Republican brethren, always talk about, you know, cutting waste. There's going to be wasteful spending. You know, we're going to misdiagnose things. We're going to get some things wrong, but it's very clear that we're going to have to act, um, you know, again, in a multi-tiered way, but in a orderly um, and expedious way. Yeah. I mean, this is, there, there's no Republicans and Democrats on this. We got to flatten the curve. All right, Doug High, thank you so much for, uh, for breaking down and giving your perspective on that. That's Doug High, Republican strategist. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, working remotely from home. Matt Bennett's on the telephone line. He is a Democratic strategist and former Clinton White House Deputy Assistant and Third Way co-founder and senior vice president of Third Way. Matt, uh, thanks for being on on a day like today. I mean, just I, we've been covering every angle of this, uh, but I, I want to cover the 2020 angle with you. How what are there going to be primaries tomorrow night? Is Ohio going to vote tomorrow? I mean, everyone's saying stay home. I'm not sure how they could have a primary. Boy, uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine on Ohio. Uh, the governor, uh, Mike DeWine, who's a Republican, which doesn't really matter, but the governor said that he recommended against holding the primary. Um, as you probably know, in, in some states, primaries are done by the state itself. In others, they're done by the parties. I believe in Ohio, it's largely driven by the parties. So I don't know what they're going to do. Kentucky uh, just announced that they are postponing their primary uh, that was to be tomorrow. But Florida said that they're going forward. So I think people are scrambling right now to figure it out. You know, I think uh, they're scrambling. I mean, absolutely. Do you think the debate last night between former Vice President Joe Biden and uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, how would you characterize that? I mean, in a day in which Americans are, are adjusting with the new normal and their, their new reality as we all work together to try to flatten this curve. How, uh, what did you notice? What were your takeaways from that debate last night? I think we live in a completely different world today than we did a month ago. And Joe Biden recognized that and Bernie Sanders just didn't. Um, so what you saw from Bernie was the same exact debate performance you would have seen from Bernie had the virus not hit us, had we not entered what is likely to be a recession, uh, had we not been in a world historic crisis. What you saw from Joe Biden was uh, just the opposite. He has completely adjusted himself, his campaign, his demeanor, uh, and his priorities to meet this moment. And I think what you saw also was a difference in their relative experience. Now, Bernie's been in public life and in uh, Congress for a long time, but he has never sat in the in the situation room and tried to figure out how to respond to a crisis. Joe Biden did that for eight years and it showed. You know, Matt, I, I think that's a really, it, it's a really interesting take. I mean, because I think when, you, for those of us watching at home or everyone who was watching at home, how are these campaigns going to continue? How do you campaign through something like this? Nobody has ever tried to do anything like that. So, uh, both campaigns, uh, along with the Trump team, have wisely uh, canceled all their events. They, at this point, would be insane for them not to have done so. And that means that they're going to have to do outreach to these voters, uh, principally through advertising, uh, both social media and, and traditional media, television and radio, and through contact, uh, phone banking contact, that can be done from home. So they're not going to be able to run phone banks out of traditional field offices uh, like they do uh, normally, but they can ask people to make calls from their home. What they can't do is go out, press the flesh, give big speeches, have rallies. And I think that's a much bigger problem for Bernie Sanders than it is for Joe Biden because he relies on the energy of those rallies to give a sense of propulsion to his campaign. And he's not going to have that. 
Well, the other thing that I'm I'm curious about, I mean, I guess there's two ways to look at it. Who the heck would donate to a campaign right now when there's so much stress on the economy? And But beyond that, I guess you could say that the cost of the campaign could arguably have gone down. I mean, they're still going to have to spend money on, on the Internet. But from a financial impact for these campaigns, how does that work from both parties? Well, uh, actually, keeping a candidate on the road uh, is a relatively small percentage of a campaign's overall budget at this stage. It's a big percentage early in the process when campaigns are tiny, they're not advertising. But at this point, uh, they, they're both carrying large payrolls, they've got advertising to do, and they have very large budgets, and most of that money is devoted to other things, uh, keeping their staff paid, but also polling and advertising. So I think it's not going to save them that much money, and the outreach is going to get more expensive because they're going to have to do it through paid media. But to your point, it's going to be very difficult to raise money. I don't know whether that hurts uh, Bernie more because he relies, as he talks about all the time, on small-dollar givers who are not likely to be opening up their checkbook uh, at the moment, uh, whereas Biden uh, has more money coming in from larger donors who can't afford to give even in tough times. All right. I'm going to leave it there. Matt Bennett, thank you so much for calling in today uh, and for just answering some really tough questions, I think, that were on so many people's minds about how these campaigns are going to play out. So thank you to Matt Bennett. We'll let you go. And again, just just to reset here uh, as we let Matt go, and we're trying to get uh, Kriti Gupta, Bloomberg Markets live team reporter, on the line. I mean, the markets really took a tumble today, and I'm excited to get her Excited is the wrong word. I'm interested to get Creedy's critique on this because really, I mean, just the markets have just been completely, completely uh, haywire over this. And Creedy Gupta, Bloomberg Markets Live team reporter, uh, she'll be able to walk us through that. The stomach-turning ride on global financial markets took a dramatic turn Monday with U.S. stocks plunging the most since 1987 after President Donald Trump warned the economic disruption from the virus could last into the summer. So again, folks, the president today, uh, the president today saying, bunker down. I mean, we're in this for the long, the long road. And actually, Senator Mitt Romney, a Republican from Utah, he's suggesting giving each American household $1,000, a cash handout as a fix, as a way to, to, to best the virus. Uh, and, and, and that's gaining some support from Democrats as well. And, you know, I mean, that might be the, the, the uncharted territories that we're in where, uh, you know, and, and to read from the Bloomberg terminal among economists, the idea of across the board cash handouts as a response to the epidemic has been rapidly gaining support. That's mainly because the scale of the shock has become much clearer as swaths of the economy from air travel to bars and restaurants essentially have shut down. Creedy Gupta joins us on the line. She's a Bloomberg Markets live team reporter. Creedy, what happened today on, on Wall Street? 
So we had a 12% decline in all the major averages, uh, really a scary sign here because we actually have never uh, declined by this much um, in these last three weeks of, of volatility off the virus, of course. Um, we actually got very close to hitting that second limit down level. We already saw a first limit down during futures trading, and then again, uh, when intraday trading just started, one minute into the session, we had another 15-minute uh, halt just to be able to process all those orders and then to be able to get uh, quite close actually to that next 13% limit down level. Uh, some scary signs of, of things happening here on Wall Street. All right, we've got about a minute left, Creedy, and, and, and I know there's scary signs, but is there any hope? Are you noticing anything, any glimmer of hope or anything that, that maybe is going underreported in, in the midst of all this doom and gloom? So, I mean, uh, sorry to say, but it'll it'll really be, a, I think, a pretty volatile setting as long as uh, we do have these virus fears kind of uh, impact economic activity. And that's really what we're waiting for here. Any signs that we're um, able to kind of uh, proceed with our normal day lives in, in any way that we can, uh, a crucial thing to watch, though, is just what's going to come out from a fiscal response from, from our government. A good sign, though, if you were asking for was uh, that emergency cut from the Fed, uh, reassuring some people on the street that uh, the it's institutions uh, have it right and have things under control. All right. Well, Kriti Gupta, thanks for joining the line to talk about the markets with us. I know you're going to join us in the weeks ahead as well. Kriti Gupta, Bloomberg Live markets reporter. She's been all over this. Her team has been all over this. And we're going to continue to deliver the news as well. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Go to the CDC.gov. Go to Bloomberg.com. Go to the Associated Press. Go to your trusted resources to get information. We're going to get through this all together. You can, I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com.